Entertain Podcast. I've learned that awkward segues into ads are just a part of hosting a podcast these days. Similar to how awkward phases are part of growing your business. With features dedicated to sales, marketing services, and more, HubSpot CRM platform is here to help your business grow better every step of the way. With intuitive visual workflows and bot builders, HubSpot CRM platform can automate campaigns across your website, email, social media, digital ads, and chat for clear communications and zero mixed messages. With the Teams feature, you can organize your accounts by teams and segment leads, sort through content, and easily view team performance reports. And thanks to sequences, you can now create flows to automate sales outreach, follow-up, and timed personalized emails so you can scale your customer relationships like never before. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. We are recording. We're live. It's another Wednesday. It is uh, in January. It's cold here in Charleston. Christy, I don't know if, uh, you know, I, I actually learned yesterday that I can't actually say Charleston is ever cold. Uh, we had some teammates that live up in Canada. And so I was like, oh, it's so cold here. It's like 32 degrees. And I'm like, you know, cold and freezing. And they like were like, whoa, 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 let me stop you right there. They're like, do you know what the temperature is here right now? And I was like, no. And they were like, let's do the Celsius to Fahrenheit calculation. And they're like, oh, it's a negative 16 degrees Fahrenheit here right now. Was that with wind chill or without? So like, I've gotten a lot of heat about this too. Is that like, are you calculating wind chill factors? Or are you not? I'm like, listen, I'm not like, I'm not a meteorologist. I just know that like, it's really cold and I have to layer up like 10 times heavier in my home for at least the first three hours of my day. So to me, I, that's cold. <laughs> I, I, I would assume, I don't think they're doing wind chill up there. I think they're like, they're just straight is, up cold. Yeah. Yeah. This is like straight yeah. up. I, I think they're, I think they're hardcore. Uh, yeah, yesterday so we were they, 16 here in New York and that was, that yeah. was without a wind chill factor. So we were 16 degrees. It was uh, pretty brutal. Yeah. When they said like negative 19, I was, I had many more questions. Like, how does your house, how does your house stay warm? And they were like, it doesn't, it just like, <laughs> heat. Oh. Uh, I was, I was, you know, asking, uh, they said, if you walk outside, what did uh, our teammate Jay say? Uh, 10 minutes, like, 10, 10 minutes to get frostbite. Frostbite if you walk outside. Oof. So, so our, our, our hearts are with our Canadian friends right now. What do you do yeah. with dogs? What do you do with the dogs? Do you take the dogs for the walk? Do you just hope and pray that they go quick? Like, that's a good question. I think you're going to have to, I think you're going to have to put them outside and hope it's less than 10 minutes. Oh, my dog doesn't really come back in very well. So, uh, <laughs> She yeah, would die. Really My dog's not, she would not survive Canada. Right, girl? She's like in front of the fireplace right now. So, well, based off of last week when we were recording, I think we came across this article. Uh, Jay had found it and, and uh, surfaced it. It's uh, from Saster. And the uh, title is The Secrets to Scaling Zapier to 500 Employees from Employees Themselves with Wade Foster, the co founder and CEO. And so there's 21 secrets that they put in here and so it's the i i don't know if it's exactly the first 21 people that joined the company but it is 21 of the early people in the company who all have a secret to share so we thought it'd be fun to go through kind of read these um understand them a little bit see if these might apply or if we've applied these um in in our areas so um i'll read the first one and then you want to go like jeff christy jay and we'll just keep knocking through them so first one is from somebody Zay, Z-E, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, uh, but create scrappy solutions that get you 80% of the way there. They'll last longer than you think. Uh, and then there's a little sub thing, but you know, systems don't need to be 100%, build them to get the job done and allow for them uh, for more time to focus on critical tasks. 
Um, this resonates a lot with me. I mean, I think this is like good, good is the enemy of great or great is the enemy of good. Um, sorry, I just said that backwards, but you know, I yeah. think, I think one of the things that you start to realize as you grow and your careers and as you become leaders is that, um, you know, if you can get 80% of the way there and you can make a decision and you can move quickly, uh, that's far greater than having something that's hundred percent accurate because you just know that there's so many other factors that go into that. that it's never going to be true. So um, I like to think about this a lot, you know, when we're building processes or looking at things, uh, especially if you're going to, I think about testing a lot too. Um, and I think if we can do something where we can test early and often, um, that always like seems to me to be the, the better way to grow and scale and build something. So, um, I don't know, Christy or Jay, anything stand out here to you? No, I, I, I like that approach. I think it's how you're going to move quickly. I would say, you know, I'd be curious to see what their kind of MVP and V1, V2 process looks like around technology development. And if they go back, I've seen a lot of companies that they'll build something. It's it's good enough. It's got great adoption. It's not perfect. And they just keep moving and they almost forget to go back to some of the original development. So I would just be curious from that standpoint, you know, are they going back and trying to get that closer to 90? Uh, are they iterating on things? So obviously the feedback that you'll collect over time from customers is going to going to help with that but I get, I get the point right speed so moving quickly here so I get it I just want to make sure that we're all going back <laughs> I think the other way to say it is uh, precision can be the enemy of accuracy too if you spend time you know trying to get down to the decimal level of of precision on you know your retention metrics or your um, you know, how you're segmenting things, the number of counts and ARR that a CSM has, for example, it it can quickly break down and you might miss the forest for the trees. So I'm always, I'm more of a rough cut guy. Like, let's let's get a back up and squint. Does it look right? Let's go. What can we learn? And then iterate from there to your point, Christy, and make it more, make it more high fidelity over time. Christy, you want to move on to the next one? Sure. Um, we were just talking about change. Uh, so our friend Jordan, he gave number 20 and he said, don't brace for change. Instead, learn to love reinvention. I think that that's something we all talk about, right? The only constant is change in all the environments in which we operate. And whether you're at that hyper growth mode or, or maybe even a little bit slower, um, you've got to continue to, to double click into things and evolve your processes. Um, so, I mean, I love that. I think finding people who can embrace change is probably a little trickier because I think that generally people have a... No, I wouldn't say problem, right? But change can be difficult for some. So I think it's all about how you manage it and you know the communication around it. And so just executing change effectively in an organization. But yeah, change will continue to be your only constant, especially at that stage. Christy, here's a here's a put you on the spot. What's a good interview, like behavioral question that you could ask, Jeff, you to 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 figure out how people respond to change? Because I completely agree. Like in these companies we work in, the SaaS business, customer success, there's always a new competitor. There's always a new uh, product release. There's always a new organization structure. We're scaling fast. The, expecting change to happen is it's just part of the job. So how do you gauge people's ability to handle that during the interview process? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I don't have my list of questions in front of me, but I'll kind of riff off of what I can recall. But we do all behavioral style interview questions where it's like, tell me a time when, give me an example of. So for something like this, we'll lean into, you know, tell us, it, it's going to probably go into like reprioritization or how do you shift gears? And so it'll be, you know, tell us a time where, uh, you know, something you were working on, you know, 
got deprioritized and something else came to the forefront and how did you navigate that? How did you make sure that all things still got completed, but obviously shifting the priorities there. So I think we do it through the lens of prioritization to help us understand like the ability to brace for change. Um, and then ask them to go through like the story, the process, right? Like how to, like it kind of walk us through their methodology, not like, oh yeah. So my boss told me that this was the new important thing. So I just did that thing. We asked them to kind of uh, unpack that with us. So we kind of do it through that lens. Um, but I'm sure there's a, a ton of questions we can come up with. Jeff, what do you got? Uh, I, I think one, one thing I like to try and do is just look at the companies that they've worked at before, try and get like a really specific example. So I'll try and look and let's just say the company was Zapier that they worked at before, I'd say, hey, in your time at Zapier, can you give me an example of when there was a major change that impacted the entire business or impacted your organization um, and walk me through what happened? Uh, you know, tell me everything, like how did they communicate with you? What were, you know, what did you do afterwards? How did that impact your teams? How did that impact your work, you know, your, your business? But, you know, I think similar to you, Christy, like I want to try and get really specific of an example and see how they talk you through it. Because I also think that that goes to um, not only how they process change, but are they observant of what the leaders are doing in the company to help the change through? And that's the other thing that I think tends to get lost, um, you know, is that, um, you know, leadership is, it, it, I think oftentimes early in your career, you're thinking, oh my gosh, the leaders aren't spending enough time thinking about all the stuff that they're giving us and the communications and all. And the reality is like, they're actually over-indexing and spending so much time on those things. But you just don't realize it as you know when you're an individual individual contributor sometimes because you um you know you're not in every single meeting you're not in every single um communication but you start to realize over time like oh my gosh they've been planning for this and there is like a method to the madness of how they've tried to communicate this and slowly and gradually rolled out you know from executives down to leaders down to individual contributors there is this cascading communication that um, is important to the change and so to me, that's what becomes a lot like really important to me is that are they observant of those things um, in that specific time? I think that's a, that's an important thing to think about when you're hiring leaders too. Is behaviorally like tell me about a time when you had to make a change on your team or in your org. How did you roll that out? And if they look at you like a deer in the headlights, like, well, what do you mean? I just I sort of just told everybody, or I built a plan. You know, like Jeff said, it started with. You know, we, we have a very specific methodology that we use, you know, at, at Higher Logic to roll out changes in it. We, we always start with people who are directly impacted first. Like if your manager is about to change, you get a one on one discussion, yep. then it's team discussions. And before that, there's a whole slew of things that have to happen from a, just an executive, like Jeff said, touch point, make sure everybody's aligned on the changes. Um, and I, I learned those things back at, in my Blackboard days. Like they were really good at communicating like that. But um, the the ability to manage change is actually a a hallmark of a of a great leader. And to Jeff's point, ninety percent of it goes on under the surface of the water. It's like an iceberg. So that's that's a good one. All right, should we move on to the next one? Next one, yeah, I feel like I feel like is like almost an extension of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in high growth stage, uh, solutions to organizational problems have a six month shelf life. I think maybe it's a little bit different, a little more specific. Like when you design the organization, like the actual org structure around a particular problem or opportunity that you have, like you have to, you have to really keep an eye on that, especially if you're growing quickly. Um, and I've, I've been in a company before where we went from like zero to 70 million in just under two years. And 
um, there was a lot of rethinking we had to do along the way. I would say in some cases, even less what worked, you know, three months ago was already out of date, um, you know, it had to be revisited. So I think there's, there's a lot of merit to that. Yeah. Um, the other thing that comes to mind here too, is just keeping, I know, I know we just talked about changes, the constant, whatnot, but I mean, you have to keep your team excited and motivated throughout all these organizational changes as well. Right. Because I mean, you're effectively like you, you walk into a role, you're excited about it. You love your leader. You love your team. You're doing great work. You're doing the things that you want to do. And then all of a sudden three months down the road, you're like, all right, well, we're going to shift this slightly because we need, you know, we've, we've identified that it needs to shift into a different um, problem set or, Hey, we have a new solution. We have a new go-to-market that's happening. Something's shifting. Right. And um, you're essentially taking that person that loved where they were, loved what they were doing, loved the people that work with and kind of saying, Hey, we're going to slightly change it. And so you can't just, I think, again, this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Like, there's got to be that communication around it. You have to feel like you have to feel like you're supporting your your team through that change because you now you've effectively just kind of shifted where their perspective is in the horizon of what they thought was true. And I think people love to get attached to roles. And so I think keeping your team motivated, keeping them excited, keeping them understood of the direction of like where it's going and that there is a method to the madness again. Now, we're not just, you know, moving people to move people. It's like, no, we're doing this because there's a systematic opportunity that we need to go after. We've identified it as a business opportunity and we're going to go, you know, we're all in agreement in saying that. Um, so that just stands out to me, but I think six month shelf life uh, might even be gracious. I think it might be like more of like a three month shelf life. Yeah. It, it, I think it comes down to individual conversations too. Like if you're a leader in the organization and by leader, I mean, anybody who leads, right. doesn't have to be a manager. Um, but when you hear somebody say, Oh, you know, the change is so tough. You gotta, you gotta jump in at that point, like directly one-on-one -on -one with that person and say, let me give you some feedback. Like there will always be change happening in this organization. So you, we, we need to, we need to roll with it. Right. And figure out how to embrace that as part of part of the job that we do here. So, and then I think it goes back to the interview process as well. Set expectations during the interview process when you're bringing people in that, this is an organization that changes a lot and it's not, we don't change for the sake of change. We change because the business is growing and evolving and that should be exciting to you, which means you're going to have more opportunity over time. Justine, anything to, do we, do we already hit, hit that one? Uh, I mean, I think that we, we've exhausted that one. I'm excited to keep going down this list. <laughs> all right. Next one is um, invest in a strong hiring and onboarding process from day one. Uh, they, they put kind of four categories here. They said, make sure team members know how to evaluate candidates for roles, teach new hires the company values and culture, institute a great pairing culture, um, and repeat the cycle. Um, and I mean, yeah, I think hiring and onboarding, you know, tends to get overlooked, especially when you're in early stage companies, because you're, you know, there's probably not a lot written down. There's probably not a lot that um, is getting documented in terms of processes, right? Because you're, you're moving fast, you're, you're growing and scaling. But um, I think when you finally are able to take a step back and get somebody into a role that can help focus, hey, do we have stuff that is written down that we can be sharing? Do we have stuff that, you know, we can get people ingrained with? Um, I think that goes a long way. The Institute of Great Pairing Culture, um, I think, is something that we just experienced when we, um, you know, we're integrating our vanilla and higher logic teams that we thought went really well was, you know, we, we kind of paired people up from both companies. We tried to give them multiple touch points. We tried to give them just multiple individual people that they could go to, not just, hey, reach out to me if you need anything, right? It's like, no, this is your person. Like, rely on them, ask them questions. You know, if you, the quote unquote, if you have a, what you think is maybe a stupid question or an easy question, you know, like this is your person to go to where there's, you know, it's gonna be 
um, somebody that can can help you. So I think we just saw how that pairing culture could could work quite a bit as well. Um, but Christy, I know you have spent a lot of time in your onboarding um, and hiring processes. I know this is something you think about a lot, but what what stands out to you? I mean, I think the biggest thing, and you talked about this, right? They get overlooked is the documentation process. If you can like start day one, just writing things down, it doesn't need to be exhaustive. But even when we went through uh, GitLab's their, their wiki the other day. And I'm, I'm not going to forget this because I'm like so enamored by how extensive it was, but like, you have to start that process. It's the, the level of documentation, right? That knowledge transfer, the dissemination of information. I feel like if you start there, you can start to easily build these types of processes to effectively onboard people. You can start to build resources for them to help own their own onboarding and their own ramp. Um, but the lack of those things is where that challenge and that breakdown happens, right? It's that lack of information, knowledge transfer that's not happening. And that's why people are taking longer ramp. They're less successful in their roles. And so I would say like, as easy as like, start with documentation. Like if you're a smaller company right now and you can start to just embed that philosophy is a, like, write it down, document it. Let's keep it in a place where it's being shared. I think you guys will be off to a great start. So when you get to a place where you're in this hyper growth scale, you're not starting to work backwards and say, oh gosh, do we have all of these things that we need to try to bring together? And it doesn't need to be formal. Like I said, just start to write things down and embed that as a, like kind of your working methodology for the entire company. Total drop the mic moment right there. Completely agree. Like, the, I actually, here's something, I don't know if you know this or not, Christy, but I'm stepping in to run our, our corporate customer success team because we're hiring a new director there. And one of the things that I'm noticing as I've done one-on-ones with the team is that we actually don't have enough written down for yeah. the day-to-day -day things that happen in, in our processes. I mean, you call those playbooks, you could call it, you know, a yeah. wiki with whatever just information. It's like, there's, there's not a deep enough index of, of, of content and data yet for that team. So I'm excited because I'm going to jump in and I'm going to start writing some stuff down and really help our team do that as well. And I think that that is such a huge, makes such a huge difference. So good call. I actually think that relates back to the earlier one too, you know, uh, do something 80%, right? Like build solutions that are 80%. Because I think the other thing that people think about is like, oh, I'm not documenting it 100%. You know, oh, I've got to spend more time documenting this. Oh, I need to, you know, then all of a sudden you've got people who are like spending an inordinate amount of hours to the value that it's going to provide. And you're like, no, 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 just like in any format, you know, a slide, uh, a document, anything, right? Just get enough of it written down that we know and understand what's happening in the basics. Um, and I think about frameworks a lot, like just build a simple framework. Like, you know, if you have a playbook, like you just said, Christy or Jay, there's hundreds of examples that you could probably go pull from on Google, but it's like, at the end of the day, like, what's the trigger? What's the action? What's the outcome? Okay. There's a framework. Cool. I'm just going to make sure that all, every playbook that we build or write or that everyone is writing. Okay. It fits those three things. And if we need to adjust later, we can, but at least I've got something started and we can move as we go forward. I think that's big. I think you called something out there. There, Jeff, I think is interesting. I think people are overwhelmed by how daunting of a task documentation can be and it can be and it, and it could be scary especially when you you think of like what a hundred percent might look like we do something as basic as if somebody asks a question in slack and somebody else answers it we take that and put it on a confluence page like it doesn't matter what the formatting looks like we'll go back and re-edit it we'll make it pretty later we'll build it out but yeah. literally you've just documented something it's just not in a in a centralized location so let's go centralize it it's copy paste so i mean even just telling the team 
hey, if somebody asks a question, you know, don't even answer it in Slack. Just go answer it in Confluence and then share that page out. For us, like that would be a better way for us to solve the same problem. Hey, Ganger Rotane. I wanted to tell you about the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast hosted by John Jantz and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. The Duct Tape Marketing shares tips, tactics, and resources for you and your business. One thing that they've talked about recently is mapping out where your best customers want to go, which hits on a core customer success tenet of customer journey mapping. So go listen to the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. What's the next all right. one? Uh, all 17. right, next one up is Paolo, 17. We had people are more passionate about the work if they have a good understanding of the product and customers. Um, I am going to assume that maybe Paolo is in the product or engineering or development organization. I do think that for frontline, like sales, marketing, customer success, they probably already have a, a great understanding of the products and their customers. But I do think, you know, generally the entire organization needs to be very aligned on like, what are the problems you're solving and for whom? And so making them feel connected to the end users and the stories and those successes rather than the product and the features and functionality. And that should be everyone in the, co in the company. Um, things that we've done that I've seen work really well is like using our town halls to invite customers to come and, and share their stories, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, spotlighting customers, even if you don't invite them to come to the conversation. We've had CSMs really just kind of shine a light on who their customers are, what problems they're solving. We include their photos in it and things like that to kind of humanize them and bring them to life. But I do think that everyone across the organization needs to feel very connected to the work that they're doing and the problems that they're solving for their end users. Yeah, that... The, the point you just brought up about um, presenting in front of, you know, presenting the team, I think that's just something that goes overlooked as well, right? I mean, when you work in the customer org, we're talking about customers every day. We're talking to each other. We're talking to an actual customer. We're, we're looking at tickets. We're looking, I mean, we are so surrounded that I think sometimes we forget how much product and engineering might not be in front of a customer. They might not hear these things. Sales, you know, gets a different perspective. Marketing is, you know, is a little bit more removed as well. And so it's like, um, that point, I think, like, how can you get those stories frequently and more often? And how can you get different people sharing those, like in terms of the voice? It doesn't always need to be the chief customer officer sharing that story. It doesn't always need to be a leader. Um, how do you get in individual contributors comfortable saying, hey, here's a slide I built about a customer. Here's what we did for them. So cool. I'm going to call out some other people in the company um, about what we did. But like, um, I we used to do that too. And I, I think it was a, a big piece is that we would basically do like a um, a monthly, a monthly check-in where it was basically, Hey, come, come in and listen. And, um, you know, we're going to have a different person present about a customer and they've built like one slide about what the customer is trying to achieve, what they're doing. It's basically a success plan and we're going to present it to the entire company. And, you know, it's mainly just so that you can get to know customers better, but also you can ask questions, you can poke holes, you can, you know, we can make this better even, um, over time. So I think it's a good one, Christy. All right, Jay, 16. All right. Uh, startups are hard enough. Be someone you would want to work with. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I don't know. Is there a whole lot to say about that? I mean, don't be a jerk. Don't be, don't be a jerk. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking different word I was thinking, but um, yeah. Um, I mean, duh. It goes back to your uh, four E's and a P. I mean, it's like, what's yeah. be somebody to work, be somebody that you want, that people want to work with. You have to think about the things that, uh, maybe aren't aren't necessarily just book smart. It's like, can I bring energy into a meeting? 
Can I do what I say I'm going to do? Can I show empathy to people in situations? If you can do some of the basic things and it's like, of course, yeah. people want to come work with you. They're going to bring I, you opportunities for projects. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Thanks for like bringing the framework to it because the, the four E's and a P is, I didn't come up with this. This is like a Jack Welch thing and I talk about it every once in a while on here, but it's energy, bring energy to work. Uh -oh, did I just lose you? Oh, there we go. Uh, bring bring your energy to work. Like, be a high high energy contributor. Um, energize others. So, be an energizer. Bring your energy to other people. Don't suck energy away. Um, bring an edge, meaning make decisions or bring perspectives without. Um, don't ask. Just sort of make an assumption. Um, and then go validate that assumption as opposed to waiting around for somebody to tell you what to do or what the answer should be. Execution uh, is the fourth E and that's go get things done. Like, like we say you're going to do something, you know, pick up a task, be the person at the end of the meeting to volunteer to take the next step uh, is one that I like. We have a guy in, uh, in our company that's just like the classic. He's so good at that. He, at the end of the meeting, he's like, okay, so here's what I'm going to go do. And it just makes everybody else in the meeting say, okay, you know, that's great. I'll go do this. And, and then we'll come back together. And it's just a really powerful thing at the end of, at the end of a meeting to say, here's what I'm going to do. Um, and then the P is passion. And I mean, you know, for that, I think you just got to make sure you're in the right place, make sure you're in the right domain. Um, you know, we're all lucky that we work in software companies. We enjoy the, that business. Um, I think all of us, Christy, Jeff, and I are all in, like, we're also in companies that we are passionate about the domain that we serve. So community, customer success, uh, marketing. So, you know, that's, that's, it's pretty cool when you can, when you can find that and, you know, uh, and build, build around that. I think it's really, really powerful. That's when your job becomes a career and a calling. So um, anyway, that's four E's and a P. Yeah. I think the intangibles things um all right number 14 is keep the values change the mechanics um i think you know that jeff the, did you just want to skip 15 because you think if oh. people come second i just was curious i just <laughs> 15 15 people come people come first i'm always a people for i'm a people person uh, they, they said that zapier focused in four areas employees uh through rewards recognition and culture customers through product partner ecosystems by building an open platform power users through supporting them and sharing their stories. Um, I really like the simplicity of that, like of the, who, who they're focused on in terms of the people inside of the, the business. Um, and I, I think it's true. Like, I think, you know, we, we talk about other things where it's like, Hey, we need to make sure that we keep, um, we keep our teammates and employees happy because they're serving customers at the end of the day. And so, um, you know, if they're not happy, how are we going to serve customers? Well, um, you know, and then it kind of moves up from there. So, I, I mean, I think, you know, this is something that we've we've talked about internally. I think we try and keep it front and center, uh, especially what Jay mentioned, right? When we think about communication plans, when we think about changes, when we think about anything, right? It's all about how are we how are we looking at it from the people's perspective and making sure that we're being empathetic to the situation that they're in and trying to be as direct um, and forthright with them as possible about the change, why we're doing it. But I think all those things kind of come through in the in the culture of what you're building from the top down. So. I mean, 80% or maybe more in some cases of a, of a SaaS company's budget is spent on what? Salaries and benefits, people, right? So it's this is like a no-brainer and you have to really prioritize this or everything else sort of falls apart. And it's not, not just keeping people to handle the issues that you've got and take care of the customers. It's actually keeping people who will innovate 
the longer they're with you, the more innovation they can bring to it because the better they understand the business and the customers and the market. So, all right. Yeah, this, I, I was just going to say, I think this also goes back to the, as you become a people leader, you, you continue to learn that, um, you know, this, you are spending most of your time when you become a people leader, people think that you're spending time like making decisions and you're all in all these high profile meetings and you're, you know, changing the strategy of the organization, which can be true, but mainly where you're spending time is making sure that your team members know what they're doing. They're excited about what they're doing. They're, they all know the direction. So there's a lot of time that you have to spend doing this and leading um, people. And so I think, again, it kind of goes back to making sure that you're, you're uh, thinking about that as you're leading people. Go ahead, Christy. I read I read yours already, but you can read 14. You're right, it's fine, they forgot it. So I'm gonna go and re repeat it for you. Uh, so Steve said, and he gives number 14, keep the values, change the mechanics. Um, I love that. And I think that something that gets overlooked in some organizations, I won't say all, is be, having very clear values and even a vision and a mission for your organization and what it is that you're working towards. And then making sure that all the work that you do supports those over time, but that every employee feels connected to those and understands what they are. Um, I always felt like there was a couple of organizations I worked at that had their values. I mean, they were plastered everywhere. We had them on the walls. We had stickers. We had shirts. We had the sweat. Like, I mean, like you couldn't look anywhere where our values weren't like they were just they were so at the forefront of every conversation and every meeting and company meeting we had um and i loved that because it always kept us focused on who we were and how we were going to execute and obviously all the other things that had to evolve over time right our product our business the market as it all changed we stayed core to those values and i think as employees we felt very connected to those and in a world where the only change you know the only constant is change feeling like you do have something that you're kind of rooted against goes a long way with employees so i, I really like that yeah i think i think that that's that's how we work right the other thing that comes to mind for me here is purpose and and having a clear purpose statement for and you can do this like if you're running a customer success team you can you can you can have a clear purpose statement for what your team does and does and focuses on which actually helps clarify for the organization what you don't do as well and so i think having some of these anchors of values purpose help sort of as things do change which we've already talked about and, and shift around then you've got these anchors to latch onto with your team with the people around you to say hey remember this is what we're trying to accomplish like i know this is changing over here and we've got these challenges over there but but keep your let's keep our eyes on the prize it is also gives a good way to keep people motivated i'll even tell you jay we did ours um when we did our, our team summit in december um we did it together. We made it a working session. And so we spent like 90 minutes kind of riffing on ideas. And what we came up with, everyone felt so connected to it because they participated in designing it, right? And so it became our statement for our organization, but one that they all felt like they could live to and one that they were really proud of too. All right, Jay, you want to hit the next one, 13? Oh, is it my turn again? Um, okay. Oh, yeah. Um, have fun. <laughs> It builds camaraderie and makes people want to stick around. Thank you, Linda. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm actually not really good at this. I know, like, I know it needs to be done. And I, there are people on our team who I think are, are really good at this. And, um, and it's hard, too, in the virtual world, like virtual happy hours. And we, we've tried all kinds of stuff. Um, 
one of the things that we're doing that we, we have tried to be more, um, just more, uh, I, what's the word I'm thinking of, just more vigilant about is like at the beginning of a meeting, like we're all hopping on another Zoom meeting every, at the top of every hour. And the first few minutes of the meeting can actually be a little bit light. You don't have to jump right into business unless, unless it's just, you know, you, somebody you work with every single day and you're, you just need to catch up with them quickly on something like, if you're seeing people for the first time in a week, you know, take a few minutes, catch up. How was the weekend? Like, it sounds really silly, but I think not just like doing the big fun stuff every once in a while. And as we get back to in-person events, maybe we'll have more like built-in fun, like team level kind of interactions and, and, and team building activities. But like on every call, like, can you just take a personal interest in people, try to keep it light because it's heavy enough, you know, the, the world we live in right now. So yeah, honestly, you know, one thing I have, I kind of think about when I hear this fun doesn't need to be like games. It doesn't need to be happy hours. Right. I have fun when we do good work, right? Like that is what energized me. That is what excites when we me. win. That yeah. is my fun. Right. So one of the things that I spent some time doing with each of my, my team members is trying to figure out like, what are the things that motivate them? What are the drivers that each of them have? And I guess kind of this would fall into like, what is fun for you? Because fun doesn't need to be a scavenger hunt, a happy hour, a like, let's make pottery on Zoom, right? Those are fun for some people, but I think it's also important to figure out like, how is each individual in your organization defining their fun? And then bringing that to the to the for forefront, right? Like, and even if it's like, yeah, I, I don't know, it could be whatever. I wouldn't even start to list out what, it, what could be fun for folks. But I think it's also just realizing it doesn't need to be these like orchestrated events, right? Fun could come in all different shapes and sizes. I think when, when you, when we say fun, like, so it might turn some people off to say, well, why, why is my boss asking me like, what's fun for me? Because I'm just working here. Right. We, we actually did an exercise um, with our entire company where we did these, these specific interviews that are team interviews, like manager to team member, one-on-one -on -one kind of thing where the, where our, our people team gave us a script and said, Hey, this is a, this is a conversation we want everybody to have with your team members and it's about motivation and meeting um what's been filling your energy bucket and what's been draining you over the past few months you know like let's back up and talk about growth and development like where are you there but anyway there's a there's a question on this thing um on this template that we used which is in the past few months where have you like what's what's been the most motivating to you and what's given you energy at work and then which of the which of the aspects of your job right now are are sort of killing your joy like taking energy away from you so i think even asking a question like that like when i've asked it to people they're like oh wow like first of all thank you for asking that question really interesting let me think about it a second and then they give some really thoughtful answers and it's like okay well i see things that we can solve i think see things that we can plug them into that would be quote unquote fun but to your point christy it's like just doing good work right being successful you know, during your days, your hours on Zoom during the day. So is it too loud? Can y'all hear all this background noise? No, I hear you. And that's the most important voice I want to hear. So we're good. Oh, we'll tolerate be, the noise. Fine. The, um, I think the other thing that this, that stands out for me too, for this one is that I think going back to what you said, Christy, like people have fun when they're also like getting things done on their to-do list or they are, you know, making sure that, <clears throat> they have like focus and clarity uh, as well at work and like we're not overwhelming them. And so I also think about like that too. How, how can you continually provide focus, clarity, direction, 
And like, that is what's going to make people fun too, is because, I mean, everyone's going to feel overloaded. So how do you make sure and kind of make sure they're focused on doing the right work so they can win more often? So I think that falls in. Um, Christy, can you read the next one? I just lost my screen. Yeah, I'm good. I got you. Uh, so Joe gave us number 12 and he said, don't hire for the sake of hiring. Ensure you have a clear six month plan for all new hires. Um, yeah, I mean, like even without a plan, I, I think just the first part of that statement is, is good. And so don't hire for the sake of hiring. I think people do this with certain roles uh, that they assume based on the way other organizations were structured, that they just need these roles in order to be successful. Um, and so I will see that sometimes people will hire, like even we'll take something like ops, right? We know that CS ops is a big role right now. Um, people are getting really excited about it. They're hearing a lot about it. So they think that their organization requires that role in order for them to function. Um, and so I don't know for that, you know, it, it could be thoughtful in terms of, you know, do we need the roles that we're hiring for? Do we have real work that this person needs to do? Is this going to move the needle? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back like what's the business case for hiring the person? What are they, what are we actually going to be able to go off after in terms of the, um, instead of just, hey, I need a, another person to do work. Um, and I think that's sometimes what people say, instead of having a clear cut plan definition of what winning looks like when this person comes on board, what they're gonna be able to accomplish and do. So um, I agree with that too, Christy, putting that together. Every team within the business should have some kind of, especially on the CX side, should have some kind of capacity model, which shows, and this gets back to the accuracy versus precision thing that we had, conversation we had, and good versus great thing that we talked about earlier, but some kind of model that shows when we have this much work as measured by the you know, number of customers onboarding or number of accounts, like number of executions that we want to do from an activity standpoint or engagements we want to do from an activity standpoint with the CSM team, number of support cases. These, this is how many people we need to effectively handle that. And in, you know, here are the things that we're going to do to scale the number of those interactions that a human can have so we're getting more efficient as well so over time i think i think this is probably more geared toward like a hyperscaling company where you just like let's just get people in and we'll we'll figure it out as we go i think that's you know sometimes it's necessary but it, it's also dangerous if you don't have a plan and then all of a sudden if things do change a little bit which they often do business-wise then you're stuck with a lot of people without a clear mandate that's where you see things like these big layoffs happening and yeah. you just get a little bit too far ahead of your ski tips in terms of um, the people you're bringing on. Um, I'm going to skip number 11 because it's about core values, which we just talked about hiring for core values. I think we just started on that one. Um, number 10 is even when you have positive intentions, you're going to make mistakes. Um, and I think that that's something that I try and bring every day is like, assume people have positive intent with what they're trying to do. Um, in into certain oh we're not doing these no that's fine keep going it's good uh, what you're saying is good uh, um i mean i think to me the the big thing though is as how can you bring this into certain into meetings how can you bring it into you know your teammates how can you make sure and, and bring this type of energy um and intention into um, other aspects because i think that's where it's infectious um i also think the other thing that comes to mind with me a lot is trying to make sure people know it's okay if we if we make a mistake, it's how we respond to it. It's what we do after it. It's how we manage it. Um, it's like the action that we take. It's not just that we, you know, sweep it under the rug. It's like, we, we actually have to go address it head on. Um, and so I think trying to make sure people know that um, early and often, because 
I mean, mistakes happen every single day. And I think this goes back to the earlier point too. Like if, if, it, if, if we're doing stuff 80% correct, we're still going to go up and to the right. And that's what we need to keep the path of going is like, we need to keep moving in that direction. And so um, early and often, how do, how do you make sure and get this message across? Hire people and also cultivate a, an environment where positive intentions are, you can trust that people have positive intentions in everything that they do. It's yep. so key, right? All right, should we pause this now? Since I think, a bunch we can, listen, I think we made it halfway through this list. I think for folks that want to go back and read the last 10, um, they should go head over and we can drop that article right when we publish this and just share that out, which I think we might have in the previous podcast that we recorded. But send people back here, they can go check out the last ones. But I, you know, listen, I think you're going to learn a ton from all of the organizations we've ever been at. So I think this was a cool example of how did they bring some of their early employees in to share their thoughts and observations and, and kind of best practices or things that they've had to navigate. So I thought this was a great list. Um, I can definitely see where these are important points and things for all of us to consider. Um, and many of these in which I know that I've personally experienced and navigated. So I'm sure you guys have as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of good ones in here, though, um, for people to, to think about. Uh, it's good. And it's a fun article the way they did this. They, you know, got 21 different perspectives um, trying to think about, you know, something that everyone brought to the table. So I like it. It's a cool way. All right. Well, we cool. will um, we'll go back next week and uh, hit on some more stuff, but appreciate everyone doing this. And Jay, like your uh, like your new new office setting that you've got today. Listen, I got to meet some new Thanks. friends in his background. I saw somebody hug somebody else, which I didn't even know people were still touching people anymore during this pandemic. So that's great. <laughs> we're in South Carolina, Christy. It's all good. <laughs> new York. I mean, you're not even getting fist bumps. I mean, it's just like everyone just, you know, keep your distance. Um, <laughs> so that made me, that made me feel good. I was like, yes, hugs. That's still a thing. <laughs> all right. Come on down. We're, we're open for business as they say. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all soon. Right. All right, guys. Thanks have so a great much. Day. See you Bye. soon. Bye. Hey guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain, grow, retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.